Hello, my name is Samuel Key, as it says on the cover of this podcast, and welcome to the very first episode of Planes Go Vroom. And if you already have, you could have deduced that in this podcast we'll be talking about airplanes plus a few bits about aerospace. So in this podcast, what I guess what really what I'm trying to start in this podcast is that I can talk to you listeners about airplanes and aerospace. And if you're interested, of course, you may comment at the webpage you have just found this podcast on. Plus, we'll have episodes where we're going to interview other people about their opinions on airplanes and aerospace. And we'll be able to share our opinions on certain subjects about aerospace. But let's start with me. I began my interest in aerospace when I saw my first plane. That was about eight years ago. From that moment on, one could say, I guess, I was hooked. And eight years later, who could have known that I'd be sitting right here making a podcast about the thing I love most? But anyways, enough about me. And with that, we will start this very first podcast. Well, for the first episode of this podcast, I decided to start from the beginning. Because if you know that, then you know where this podcast is heading, and also how we learned how to fly. So let's start. Let's go back to the ancient times, where we have the ancient Egyptians and the ancient Greeks, who are the ones who essentially... I guess, say, dominate our time with stories and mythical creatures and of birds of flight, who the power of which we were able to harness, being the greedy people we are. And if you think about it, every step of human evolution has just been one of us saying, hey, I want that. And that's essentially evolution in a nutshell. So flight is just another instance in which humans wanted to fly just because they wanted to. And it's really simple as that. We then go to roughly around 400 BC in China, where they discovered that if you slap some parchment, which for who those don't know, parchment is essentially an old kind of paper. I'm not exactly sure what it's made out of, but any viewers who want to check or listeners who want to check can check online, post it down in the comments on the website. Anyways, so essentially what they did, they slapped some parchment onto some sticks, attached a string to it, and put and proceeded to toss it into the air on a windy day. And then, assumably, it would fly. And what do you know? It flies. The Chinese commonly used it for celebration purposes and studying the weather. But that's as far as they got until the 19th century, because then they got lazy and they stopped doing more with it. But their contributions to flight still stood, as they were the first to do so. And, then they cre- and of course, they created the forerunner to the balloon, who is the forerunner to the glider? Who is the forerunner to the airplane? Who is the forerunner to the... You know what? You get the point. For many centuries later, humans have just tried to fly like birds. We end up trying the weirdest methods, from holding up some wooden planks to attaching feathers to our bodies. But the reality is that we aren't able to physically fly. And humanity for a few centuries just became wannabe birds. The science simply put was that our arms couldn't generate the force needed to create lift. Fast forward a couple hundred years and we have Hero, and that's his actual name. The Hero of Alexandria, as he was an ancient Greek engineer, who worked with the hot stuff. Essentially, he worked with air pressure and steam from hot water to create power. In one experiment, he created something called the uh, aeolophile, in which it used jets of steam from heated water compressed through two L-shaped tubes to let the steam escape at certain directions, which allowed it to create a rotary motion. In essence, he created a really turny boy. Come 1485, and we finally have a guy you might have all heard about. 
Enter Leonardo da Vinci, who was intellectual enough to actually make the first studies of flight. And boy, could this guy write. After just five years, he created over a hundred drawings and illustrations on his theories of flight. In fact, he created one of the first versions of helicopters before even we made versions of planes. This helicopter he drew, he called the Ornithopter. Alas, it was never created in his time. But nevertheless, Leonardo da Vinci still stood for his contribution to our knowledge and making our everyday discoveries trivial compared to his. Next up, we have the Montegolfier brothers, more specifically Zo Joseph and Jacques Montegolfier, who in 1783 decided to work with some real hot stuff and invented the first hot air balloon. They were first to utilize the information that rising hot air can lift an inverted inflated bag, and somehow they decided that the first passengers for the trip would be a sheep, rooster, and a duck. These animals, in reality, became the first flying, non-flying animals in 1783. And they climbed to a max height of 6,000 feet and traveled one entire mile. That was a lot in the time. After bouncing down a French field, the Montegolfier brothers proclaimed success and decided to send humans this time. They then proceeded to toss two people named Jean-Francois Plitel de Rousier and Francois Laurent into the hot air balloon on November 21st the same year. Forgive me if I said those wrong. If anyone in the comment section would like to post a message explaining me how to pronounce it properly, you may do that, that so in the comments below, and maybe I'll add it into the next podcast. Anyways, they became the first people to fly on a hot air balloon. We now go to the early 1800s, where a man by the name of George Cayley worked to discover how man can fly. He basically was the man who started to design surface controls on small gliders. He was basically the guy who did all the work, and everyone just after just added stuff to it. And in my opinion, he's actually very underrepresented in history, as without flight controls, well, a plane actually can't control itself, and you literally can't fly. That's the reason why in gliders, you have to lean in order to control the aircraft, and rather than aircraft controls, because that would be much easier. But gliders just don't have enough space. Over the next 50 years, he worked and studied in this position in order to develop what we know about surface controls on aircraft. He was the first to create and discover a, a biplane design in order to add strength and stability in the aircraft, as well as adding a tail to improve the amount of power we have in flight. But he was the first person with a big brain to actually realize that, hey, we need a power source for this thing to fly long distances. And up until then, most people had the notion that flight can just be spontaneous, like how birds can fly. We are near the turn of the century in 1891 now, with a German engineer by the name of Otto Linnithiel, who studied the aerodynamics and worked to design a glider that could actually fly. He became the first to design one that not only could fly a person, but could traverse long distances. He was fascinated by the idea of flight and based many of his design on birds and how they fly. In fact, he wrote all about aerodynamics in a book in 1889. And coincidentally, the same book was used by the Wright brothers as a basis for the design, them copycats. But sadly, after more than 2,500 flights, he was killed tragically when he suddenly lost control in a big gust of wind. Although it was very tragic, he certainly left his mark in aviation history and was remembered for his contributions in flight. 
around the same timeline, we have an astronomer named Samuel P. Lennon. This guy's my favorite because he obviously shares my name. This guy in 1891 realized again that power was needed to help a man fly on a plane. He ended up building a model of a plane, which he called, and it's also where we got the name, Aerodrome. It even included a steam-powered engine. In fact, in 1891, his aerodrome flew three-fourths of a mile before losing fuel. Fascinating the United States. They ordered a full-sized one for a $50,000 grant. That's like a lot. That's upwards of $2 million today. But it ended up being too big and it crashed. Although he was disappointed, he lived the rest of his life knowing that he contributed to what we know about powered flights. Fast forward to a few years before something interesting happens, we meet Octave Chanute, who in 1894 published Progress in Flying Machines. It gathered and analyzed all the technical knowledge that he could find about aviation achievements. It also included every single pioneer in aviation history. Not surprisingly, the Wright brothers also used this book in the designs, but in this case, they were in contact with Octave Chanute and often worked together on the Wright brother planes. We now move on to one of the most famous and probably most recognizable pioneers of aviation. That's right, the ones who basically copied everyone to get the version that would finally work. Even though I ridicule for them copying everyone, I give them credit for actually making it work. These two brothers named Orville and Wilbur Wright, now you know them, and you probably knew them before, were what you could call determined in their road to flight. They read every single novel, every single study on what we know about aviation. They also made a small contribution to the study of flight control by twisting their wings in flight. This turned out to be effective in, in, in their ability to turn the aircraft. They read nearly everything we know about aviation. They also made a small contribution to the study of flight by testing how wind would also affect kites in the air. Then following George Kelly's example, they began to test various types of shapes and of gliders to see how they would fly. They spent a lot of time testing at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, as its beach had ideal windy conditions to allow for flight. They even built their own wind tunnel to test effects of the different shapes of different gliders that would have with the wind. In 1902, they had finally perfected a glider shape. They now looked through how to create a propulsion system to create thrust that they needed to fly. The early engine that they created at the time generated at the time just 12 horsepower. To give you an idea how little that is, that is equivalent to two hand-powered lawnmowers from Canadian Tire. It's the two ones that you push and it turns. That's how little power there was. This airplane, which they called the Flyer, so original, lifted off the ground for the first time at Big Kill Devil Hill, North Carolina. I kid you not, that's the real name, Big Kill Devil Hill. They did so at... 10.35 a.m. on December 17, 1903. Orville Wright was the one who piloted the plane, which weighed roughly 600 pounds. It was the first heavier-than-air aircraft to fly on its own power and flew a whopping 120 feet in 12 seconds. Astonishing, right? At the time, it was. Taking turns that day, the last flight covered 850 feet in 59 seconds. But while testing it, they realized it was very hard to control. The brothers returned to Dayton, Ohio, in which they worked for more than two years in order to perfect their design. Finally, on October 5th, 1905, Wilbur Wright piloted the plane and the new model 
Flyer Model 3 for 39 minutes and 24 miles around Huffman Prairie and flew until he ran, ran out of gas and then landed on skids. Humankind were not able to fly, and as they say, the rest is history. For the next century, humans focused on developing creating new aircraft and engines. These led to transporting not only people, but cargo such as baggage, munitions, personnel, and various other kinds of cargo included. And this all started nothing but with myths and legends. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Planes Go Vroom. Once again, I am Samuel Key, and thanks again for listening. Don't forget to tell your friends all about this podcast, and don't forget to buckle up.